Hi there, and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. My name is Alex River, BTN.com, and I'm very excited to be back in Chicago at the BTN studio after wrapping up the 2017 BTN bus tour, which was, I think, a huge success and a lot of fun for everyone involved, as it always is. Um, I tagged along in the, the bus tour, and um, as some of you might know from listening to previous episodes, try to talk to a player at each school for this podcast. And we've actually already released two bus tour edition episodes of this podcast so far, which featured our interviews with players on the eastern leg of the tour. So we will release two more bus tour episodes featuring players from the western leg of the tour, which began last Monday in Iowa City and concluded just this past Wednesday, August 23rd at Northwestern. Like I said, the entire tour was a fantastic time. Uh, It was a first for me, very cool to see all 14 campuses, which really has just been a bucket list thing for me, so to be able to do that was amazing, and and to just meet so many great players and personalities along the way was uh, really just a privilege for for me to be able to do. So this episode will feature Iowa linebacker Ben Neiman, Nebraska wide receiver Stanley Morgan, Minnesota defensive lineman Winston De La Boutier, and Wisconsin linebacker Chris Orr. And before we get into those interviews, I just want to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean, and to continue to leave feedback on those platforms regarding the show. So right now, let's go to Iowa City, where I talked to one member of a very formidable linebacking core. It's Take 10's discussion with Ben Neiman. So I'm very excited to be joined here in Iowa City alongside current Hawkeye football senior linebacker Ben Neiman. What's up, Ben? How's it going, man? Good. How about you? I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks for joining me today. Um, so I've talked to a bunch of seniors so far um, for this podcast and and on this bus tour. And I always ask myself, or I always find myself asking them about you know their increased role on the team, all this generic, all these generic questions. So instead of asking you another one of those generic questions, I want to I want I want to know what's the question that you get asked as a senior that you're most tired of that uh all the media has just been hammering you with all all summer and all spring uh probably just how's it how's it feel to be a senior how's like are you looking forward to your senior year I guess it's just a little bit rhetorical because you get it all the time obviously it's a really exciting time and I don't know just looking forward to it but sure and another theme that uh on this podcast has been I've talked to a lot of guys that have battled back from injuries some guys have missed entire seasons with you know like an ACL tear some devastating injury um, you battled your own injuries last season, but but you were uh, fortunate not, not to miss any games, and that's not just you know it's not just luck. That's your perseverance as well. So tell me a little bit about what happened to you last year um, with some of the injuries you, you suffered and how you were unable to miss or you didn't have to miss any time due to those injuries. Yeah, I guess it kind of goes back to my sophomore year actually. Yeah, uh, I played the whole year with uh, I tore my labrum on my shoulder, so I played with that, and then I had off season surgery, so I missed a lot of the training going into my, my junior season. Uh, I was just with the, the medical staff and the strength coaches a lot. But uh, So I missed spring ball and then uh, was healthy for camp. And then right away I, I popped my hamstring about the third practice um, and then just kind of tried to fight through that and probably came back to practice a little bit too early, to be honest. And then uh, that just kind of lingered in on me the first, I would say, half the year. Um, so... Really, I feel like I didn't hit stride till after the the bye week. Probably, I kind of got my legs back underneath me and felt full speed at that point. But the first half of the year, you know, I was just coming back from my shoulder as well as uh, my hamstring. So, so week to week, how are you able to like manage the pain and, and 
do that all while getting ready for, you know, another physical battle on, on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, really I was just in the training room getting treatment mm -hmm. uh, really every day, multiple times a day, especially those first couple weeks of the year. Um, you know, and you can't let – like everybody's going to get nicked up throughout the season, whether it's, you know, bad or you know, major or minor issues. So really you just got to stay focused uh, on the game plan and all that stuff and not let that – get into your head too much or it's really going to affect your play. Well, so. What was the most painful one you had personally? Uh, the most painful injury? Yeah. Uh, probably my sophomore year, I, Josie knocked me out, mm. out cold, unconscious. So, yeah, that was, that was probably the worst one. Uh, Does he ever give you crap about that? Uh, a little bit. Well, originally he did, but that's probably the most, I guess, annoying media question I've right. had. Just, yeah, talk to me about how Josie knocked you out. All right, so we'll stay away from that. <laughs> we'll stay away from the cliches again. Um, so let's get into a little bit of – uh, you got a strong, very strong family connection to football. Definitely say you come from a football family like many football players do. But yours is unique because um, your dad is a is the defensive coordinator at Rutgers, mm -hmm. and your brother is a teammate of yours here at Iowa. So, one, did you have to recruit your brother to Iowa at all? Or was it always known that, that he would uh, join you here in Iowa City? Uh, really, I just kind of tried to step back and let him, you know, have fun with the recruiting process and visit schools. Because he, he had a lot more options than I did, really. Uh, you know, this is my, my single BCS offer that I had, but he had probably a dozen schools or so. Obviously, I wanted him to come here, but I didn't want to pressure him too much. I wanted him to be at a place where he was happy. Obviously, right. you know, I was just kind of giving him the nudge, like, you know, come play with me and all that. But I'm happy he's here, and it's been really fun so far. So your dad being a Rutgers, first of all, what's that, that like just like from a family standpoint? Like, you know, you can you probably don't see him very often now. What's it like having a dad coach in another Big Ten school? Yeah, uh, you know, it can be tough. Uh, before that, he was at Northern Illinois, and so it's kind of been hard for him to get to my college games, um, which obviously I would love to have him there, but I get that he's doing his thing at the same time. Probably the toughest thing was, you know, last year when we played them, and now they're off the slate, off the schedule. So that's sure. kind of nice. But it's great to just, to, I guess, have a, have a person to go to on the phone to talk about life or football, and he knows what I'm going through, um, you know, week to week, in season, out of season, um, and just all, all the, I guess, struggles in the full plate a student athlete has. So, you know, he deals with guys in my situation on a daily basis, and he's been doing it for probably 30 years. So it, it's nice to have, you know, I gotta go to for for those things. Is that why you're a linebacker? Because your your dad's been a defensive coach. Uh, actually, I played wideout in high school, oh, yeah? so I kind of just. So how did that transition happen then? Uh, they didn't really have any wide receiver scholarships available. They had one, and it was filled up. And uh, I came to camp, and uh, you know, their outside linebacker here at Iowa, the Leo position that I play, it's more uh, just kind of like a long, athletic guy, and mm. I guess they saw that I had the body type for it if I put on weight, so I went to camp, and it kind of just worked out from there. It's, it's worked out pretty well, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a little bit back to your dad. Um, what was that individual game day like, playing Rutgers last year, like, for your family? You know, like, what's that like on your mom, who, who has to watch, you know, her husband and, and kids uh, do battle, pretty much? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you know, she wants to support me and my dad mm -hmm. as well. Uh, you know, she is kind of funny. She had a black shirt on for Iowa with a red vest over top for Rutgers at the game. Okay. Um, and I had at least she didn't of, do the she didn't do the split jersey. Yeah, some people do. yeah, but. she didn't break one of those out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of family there, so I mean, it was a good experience, and it was just kind of weird. Like 
multiple times during the game, just like going over to line up and mm -hmm. stuff. I would just catch him on the sideline there, and mm -hmm. I, it's just a weird, a weird, a little, a little bizarre. See, but, yeah. yeah. So you must know. You must be pretty caught up to speed on Rutgers football, right? Like, do you pay attention to the, to, to them at all? Do you follow them and, and root for them throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Every outside of last year, that one game, I'm hoping they run the table. So yeah, I want them to do well and. Um, I try to try to catch up with what's going on over there when I can. Obviously, I'm busy, but you know I follow their football program on Twitter and stuff like that. Just try to get catch bits and pieces. So. Sure thing. Um, I want to transition a little bit into another story that has been very high profile at Iowa uh, since last month when it when it came out. It's uh, offensive lineman Sean Welsh. He opened up about his battle with depression, and he did it in a piece that he wrote himself on, on Iowa's website, and he really took that on and uh, embraced his struggle and, and, and tried to use himself as a, a platform for other people who might be struggling with it. So I was just curious what the team's reaction was when that came out, and if you guys knew that was coming, or if it caught you guys off guard, maybe. Yeah, I mean, when it happened a couple years back, uh, I didn't even personally know that, that he was going through those issues. He's a strong kid, and you know, strong will, good football player and all those things. So at the time I, I wasn't aware. And then, you know, we all found out and he took time away from the team just to get his himself right. right. Um, and we all tried to support him through that and just, uh, you know, give him whatever help we could. But, you know, we were aware of the issue and I don't, I don't think everybody necessarily knew he was going to put that piece out there. He had uh, spoke to the team probably a week or two before that and kind of shared his story with us. Just people that weren't, I guess, aware of the situation. Sure. Yeah. A lot of the young guys weren't here when that happened because it was early on in his career. Um, but, you know, he did a really good job. I watched the interview and, you know, read the piece he wrote and everything. And, I mean, well-worded and well-spoken. So, um, you know, I think it's just a good thing to, that, you know, people out there um, see a high-caliber athlete, a guy who's, sure. you know, all Big Ten offensive lineman and probably has a chance to play at the next level and, they see him through go, go through something like that, and then, you know, it just kind of gives them some help or, you know, support, um, just knowing that they're not the only ones dealing with that, and, you know, everybody goes through tough things. Yeah, so. I think it's important, too, to break down the stigma, because, you know, like some people's, out of ignorance, some people's reaction might be, oh, he's a football player at Iowa, he's living the dream, what does he have to be depressed about? But, like, to kind of get people's minds over that barrier that, you know, it's a chemical imbalance that's going on, it's not, you know, oh, I'm just sad because, you know, even though I'm playing football, it's not like it's, I think it was important to make that distinction, and I think he did a really good job. Um, so, has has anything changed? Do you think with the the team dynamic, or even in town here, now that like he's made that public, have you seen any uh, you know different shows of support from from your teammates or, or from from the community? I mean, we have, we've been supporting him the whole time. Um, you know, I don't think anything really changed in the locker room because mm -hmm. we were aware of the situation sure. before before it went public. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of, I guess, the media and all that putting pieces out on there. Um, you know, unfortunately, it happened right before camp, so we've kind of been in a little closed bubble, so I haven't, I guess, seen right. things happening throughout Iowa City, but, you know, I'm sure people have definitely taken notice and, you know, the word's out, so they're, they're seeing that. Absolutely. All right, shifting gears a little bit uh, into your role on this team as a, as a linebacker. I mean, you got one of those veteran units in the Big Ten with yourself and Joe Z. Jewel and uh, Bo. And you guys have, you know, come up together throughout your, your four years. How, uh, I guess, give me, some, give me some stories that you have from uh, progressing as freshmen together 
all the way now to uh, come full circle as a senior. Do you have any do you have any stories as a uh, as a unit? Uh, I mean, it, it's really every day, just something <laughs> something new, uh, joking around all the time with each other, and we we have fun with it. Uh, you know, we have nicknames and just. Give me some of the, like give that. me some of the nicknames. Uh, Bo, his is Sid, okay. just because he looks like uh, the sloth <laughs> of Ice Age. I just made that connection in my head. I'm like, that, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, he shaved his head actually because his hair was a little bad. Right, a little thin up top. Yeah, yeah, we'll give him some some crap once in a while for the for the hairline. Okay. Uh, you know, Josie, he's got the Josie Wells, the outlaw. I mm-hmm. mean, the fan, the fans mm-hmm. love that. Then mine, they they call me Head just because I have a big head. I guess a big <laughs> keep it simple, time, you know, but yeah, right to the point. Yeah, just head. Uh, it's it's definitely <laughs> fun playing with those guys though, and um, we're looking forward to this year. It's been great having them having them along for the ride. So just looking looking to have fun this senior year together. Yeah, for sure. And um, what about like when did you guys have you guys always been tight, or is it is it kind of that relationship grown as you guys have stuck together and kind of gone through? you know, what football players go through for four years. Has it, has it been a relationship that's grown, or have you guys always been, like, from day one? I mean, I would say it's grown. We've, we've all been good friends since we were here in the beginning. Um, but just the workouts, the practices, all that you go through, um, you definitely grow tighter. The, the communication, stuff like that gets better as you go. So, um, But, no, they're great friends, and hopefully, you know, guys that I'll stay in touch with after football's over. So, so I've got one bit of ammunition – from Bo on you, and I've got some ammunition against Josie from me because I was there when it happened. So, which one do you want first? Do you want the, the dirt on you or do you want the yeah, dirt on Josie? The dirt on me all right. First. So, I asked Bo. I was like, all right, I'm talking to Ben here in a little bit. Give me some, give me some dirt on on your boy here. And he said, uh, he said you're in love. And he said, no. he said to needle you. He said to needle you about that a little bit. So, uh, so what's the story there? No. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I have a girlfriend, so I guess they give me... Josie's the engaged one, so he's, okay. he's the one who's really in love there. Okay. But, you know, Bo, we always joke with him, and he, he needs to find a wife, and he hasn't been able to do that <laughs> what's, yet. Dude, what's in the water? You guys... All right, so you got Vanderberg engaged. Yeah. You got Josie's engaged. You sound like you're on your way. No, so no, what's, what's no, going no, on, no. man? You, I, I mean, hey, hey, if you guys all want to be going to each other's weddings, I, I, can't, I can't judge you or anything like that, but... I feel like Iowa's going to lead the nation in uh, yeah. married players we, here. <laughs> our long snapper just got engaged. See? Tyler Kluver, uh, Nate Budgeta got engaged yeah. too. So I'm gonna, yeah. I want to do some research on this. I, I, wanna, I feel like Iowa has the most married or engaged players in the we country. Might. We're probably creeping on double digits. So. Don't want to spoil anything, but are you, you going to join the list before your no, career is over? No, no. Not, not anytime soon. All no. right, all right. Uh, so then that brings me back to the dirt on Josie that you can, you can make fun of him about if you haven't already. Um, so in media days, we had the players try and sing as much of their fight songs as they could, and Josie struggled with it a little bit, and he wasn't the only one. Like most, most Big Ten players like, couldn't do it, but uh, he, he kind of didn't know the words. So did, one, did you see that, that footage? And uh, two, if, not, if you haven't, are you going to you know, make sure it gets in the, uh, it's in the library and reads up on, that, uh, on the fight song? Yeah, I, ha- I have not seen that or heard about that, actually, but yeah, I'll have to give some jump for it, but... I mean, ours, when we sing it, it's super fast-paced. Everybody's mm-hmm. clapping uh, after the games in the locker room. So, I mean, it's kind of – even if you don't know the words, you can kind of kind of fake it and go along right. with it. And, you know, we don't haze freshmen, I guess, here, but uh, we make them get up and sing it in front of the team. Okay. So, maybe Josie will have to get up there with so them. Maybe, maybe he knew it at one point. Now <laughs> yeah. he just got in the rhythm of uh, mouthing it. And now it's – you know, now when it came time, when the light came on in media days, it, it caught him off guard. But that's all right. Yeah. Um, one other thing we did, we had – Coach Ferentz read uh, read mean tweets about himself, 
Did that. you see I that? Saw okay. That video. Yeah. All right. The thing is, we had more. He had to go, but we had like a list of like ten or twelve that, that were all good, and he read four. I think he had to get going, but um, it, it was just funny. I think it was because like you know, college football coaches can be kind of guarded sometimes, or they're always you know in the public eye, so they might not that side of them might not be seen as often mm-hmm. as often as you'd like. Um, so give us something about Coach Ferentz that, that fans might not know or, or a side of him that maybe fans wouldn't expect knowing him now for over four years. Yeah, uh, really just that he's, he's a very personable guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he really takes an interest in all of his players' lives, I would say. You know, uh, at, at some schools, you know, coaches might not necessarily know all, or give time to, to all their players. Right. You know, if we're in the food line or we're walking down the hall, you know, he's – asking you, hi, how you doing, how's, how's your family, like, he knows your, your parents' names, your brother's names, all that, so he takes a really personal interest into, into everybody's lives, I would say, um, yeah, just a, a great guy to play for, for sure, but. Yeah, and I mean, he, he came up to us when we were, you know, just standing out there and said, hey, like, welcome, and, you know, that's, that's cool to see, because some, depends where you go, some schools won't acknowledge you as much as others, but when the head coach comes up and, you know, says welcome, that's, that's, I think that kind of speaks to what you were saying about him Yeah, as well. and I think. Too, you know, he's been here. This is like his 19th season, I believe. So that speaks for itself. Sure. All right. So before I let you go, Ben, uh, we're doing segments with each player that I talk to on this tour. Um, so it's basically general questions that you have a little fun with and, and just rattle off the top of your head. Um, whatever comes to mind when I ask you. So uh, if you're ready to go, yeah. let's knock it out yeah, and then we'll let, you, we'll let you go. All right. All right. So the first one is uh, it's called training camp compliments. So. Since we're preseason here, we're not, you know, we're not we're not in the heat of the season yet. So we're giving, we're having players give a compliment to their biggest rival. So first of all, who is Iowa football's biggest rival? Uh, I mean, we have four trophy games, so I think have, that's kind of a toss. So you can do bit. you can go Iowa State in the non-conference, uh, or you can do Nebraska. Um, let's do let's do Nebraska since we'll keep it in house. It's a Big Ten podcast, and we'll we'll uh, any Nebraska fans are listening might get you on their good side a little bit. So I know it might be hard, but give a Give Nebraska football a compliment for me. Uh, that's that's tough, honestly. Uh, you got to come up with something. I know you. Can, I know you can. Even a backhanded one, you can give him a compliment. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anything about anything? That. Anything about like you've been to Lincoln before? Yeah, one time. So. Was it nice? Lincoln's a great town. All right, there you here go. we go. Here we go. For you guys. All right, the next one, uh, song of the summer. So I noticed you guys didn't have any music going in here. Maybe it's because you're inside, or maybe you just don't do that at we practice. Just don't really play don't, music. Okay, because yeah. some don't, some do. Give me a uh, give me a song that when you look back at summer 2017, will uh, you know you'll hear it and you'll be like, yep, that was that was the song of that summer. Um, I'll have to go with maybe not a specific song, but I, I went to I guess a lot of concerts. Okay, actually. We'll go Boy by uh, Lee Bryce. I went to a couple concerts, but I went to Lee Bryce this summer. That was a really good one and a new, I guess, single or sure. song that came out by him. Any so. other concerts you go to this summer? Uh, I went to uh, Keith Urban and Thomas Rhett as well. Awesome. So. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one's called Bus Tour Bites. Um, you know, we're rolling through the Big Ten, and that includes, you know, we got to eat somewhere, and we go, we go all these places, and a lot of these campuses have uh, iconic restaurants. So give me a place in Iowa City that, is a must stop if you're if you're just passing through. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Gray's downtown Iowa City. They right. cater to us here. Uh, the chicken lips. Ooh. They're uh, I guess these chicken tenders dipped in buffalo sauce. 
Real good. Sounds so. pretty good. I'm, I'm a big. Uh, I love. I love the buffalo sauce. So yeah, it sounds good. And uh, we're rolling out of here after this. But when I'm back in Iowa City, I'll check it out. Uh, two more segments. First is is uh, called eggshells. So you know, like you heard the expression, you walk around on eggshells around this person. What's one coach that you are maybe a little intimidated by? You don't want to get in this bad side. So you uh, you know you make sure you you you, uh, you stay on that coach's good side. Give me give me your one coach. Uh. I mean, we'll, we'll go with Coach Parker, the All defensive right. coordinator. Uh, you know, I guess he's a, he's a real vocal guy at practice, so you, you definitely – He, guess might, he might call you out. Yeah, like, yeah. Expose you a little bit if you're yeah. getting his bad side. Yeah. All right, so last one. It's called uh, Scrap That. So give me one drill or one thing you do at practice that, you know, you've had enough of. If you, if you have the choice, you can get rid of it. Uh – Probably either blocks or, or nine on seven. I guess those are the most two physical periods. So what, I guess. what makes those um, not that fun to do? Uh, I mean, really, it's just taking on fullbacks head to head. Yeah, get get a little tired of that after a while. I mean, it's necessary to do, but all right. So yeah. when this comes out, tell Coach Ferentz, <laughs> give it a listen, and uh, maybe, he'll, <laughs> no, maybe he'll maybe no, he'll take your advice. Might need to delete that. Maybe <laughs> delete that. <laughs> Thanks again to Ben for joining me, and I, uh, I really do want to do some research and see if Iowa is the most engaged and or married players in the country. Uh, not sure how I'd ever find that out or trust those numbers or that data, but still definitely be a fun project, and I think they got to be up there near the top. So uh, next we made the drive over to Lincoln, Nebraska, which, by the way, I was really impressed with, just both with the campus and the downtown area and the Haymarket area where we stayed. I'd never been there before, and it was always a goal of mine to get to Lincoln, and um, it was just a lot of fun and a, and a very nice area, a nice town. And I, I just can't imagine the scene on football Saturdays because it was it was lively in the middle of August. Um, so that's definitely another bucket list thing for me is to make it out there for a game someday. And during my time there, I talked with wide receiver Stanley Morgan, who, as you'll hear in a second here, was very engaging and fun to talk to. Uh, his personality definitely shined through, and um, we'll get right to the discussion. Here it is with Stanley Morgan. All right, so I'm uh, I'm pleased to be joined here in Lincoln, Nebraska, at the uh, Husker Football Complex by Husker wide receiver Stanley Morgan. Stanley, what's up, man? Thanks for joining me. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. Um, again, thanks for thanks for taking the time today. I know it's uh, around lunchtime. We both want to get out of here and get get some food. But uh, looking forward to this discussion. Um, you're a you're a guy from New Orleans all the way up here in Nebraska. Hmm. That seems like a, you know, kind of a, a random spot to come from as far as, uh, you know, geography goes. So tell me, how does a kid from down in the bayou end up here in Lincoln, Nebraska? Uh, this, actually, this is my only visit. You really? Know, I only took this visit. My mom actually wanted me to come out here, and she loved it, and uh, she helped me experience something more. So that's what really made me come out here. So what's it like growing up in, uh, in New Orleans and, and, and adjusting to – a very different place in in Lincoln like just basically you can just start with the food like the food itself it has got to be real different up here oh it's way different like I'm used to like just seafood you know going to the corner store and give me like you know 20 20 chicken wings for mm-hmm. about five dollars you know? <laughs> but uh yeah it's, it's really different you know I love I love seafood so that's what I miss the most you know gumbo my family's cooking mm-hmm. stuff like that when I went to New Orleans I loved the like the red beans and rice oh, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, yeah of course so, of course you know it's delicious um what about what's the football scene like down there in New Orleans? Uh, it's I, honestly I don't know much about it down there. So like the youth football, high school football scene, what's that like compared to you know some of the hotbeds like like Florida, Alabama, places like that? 
Oh yeah, it's the toughest. It's toughest. It's tough down there. You know, you got all the high schools, and every every game is is a tense game. You know, going against like Carr, three five, and uh, Warren Easton, all those guys. It's tough every game. You know, uh, I grew, I went to a school with uh, Tyra Matthews came from, mm-hmm. Leonard Farnett, and all those guys. Sure. So it's really tough down there. Um, and so you grew up there your whole life, correct? Yes. So that means you had to experience back in uh, 2005 Hurricane Katrina. Yes. What was that experience like for yourself and your family? It was, it was, it was, you know, it was a hurting experience. You know, we lost our house a little bit. We had to rebuild. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing to me was, I never knew that went worldwide. You know, mm-hmm. like I thought it was just like a New Orleans thing. You're pretty young. You're probably yeah, what, I was seven or eight. Yeah, yeah, second grade. Yeah. Second grade. So we uh, went to Baton Rouge about an hour away. It took us like 12 hours to get there. Just backed up. Yeah, just way. backed up, and it was it was crazy. You know, I, you know, I never want to go through that again. Right. So, how did you? How long did it take for I guess everything to get back to normal for your your family and yourself? Uh, it took about you know a couple of years, you know, just to rebuild and you know everything just get back where it was in New Orleans. You know, it's still rebuilding, you know, but it's coming coming along good. So, what about some uh, some celebrities or personalities in New Orleans that you maybe looked up to growing up, or athletes even? Who who are some some uh, people from down there that you admired? Uh, growing up, you know, I, I came up under, you know, uh, Lorenzo Doss. You know, he was a nice receiver at uh, at uh, St. Augustine High School. He plays cornerback for the Broncos now. You know, watching Leonard, being under Leonard, and, of course, Tyron, all those guys. Just all the guys that came up from St. Augustine High School, you know, you really look up to those guys. It's a brotherhood down there. What about, um, like, music? Any, any oh, artists Kevin down Gates. there? Kevin Gates. All I right. like Kevin Gates a lot. All right. Uh, shifting gears a little bit. Now to uh, your time here, uh, I'd never been to Lincoln, Nebraska before today, really, and, and yesterday. But the the people up here and the fan base has always seemed to me like like the nicest people, like in the country, nicest nicest fans ever. Um, they always travel really well. Uh, when I was in school, they traveled to our stadium. They were very very friendly to us. And I'm sure you're gonna agree with me here. Like you're not gonna have any arguments with that. But uh, do you have any examples of just like you know Nebraska fans being very passionate, um, and that reflecting on your experience here? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, just after, you know, uh, I got, you know, some trouble I got into, you know, mm-hmm. the fans was, they showed tough love, you know, sure. that's what you need sometimes, you know, it's like having a parent away from, you know, where you're from, you know, the the fans are, you know, really for you and really behind you. Mm-hmm. You're talking about an uh, incident you had yes. this past summer, and so they uh, they had your back on that, and um, give me get into the tough love, I guess, a little more, like, what are some examples of what what was said to you? Uh, just you know, like you know, you know, you messed up, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know. But you know, keep working hard, you know. Just just fight through the things, you know, and just just you know, really like you know, getting 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 in my you know getting getting in my behind like a, right. a, a parent would do, you know. And, like don't blow this. Yes, you know, sure. and you know, but still behind you, you know. Right, because it's not the end of the world. It was a marijuana charge, yes. correct? Yeah, not the end of the world, but uh, you know, it's nice that the fans had your back and and were. Um, supportive in that way. What about when you were on your visit here? You said it was your only visit. What did what did you see from the community and the coaching staff and and the uh, current players here that, that made you want to pull the trigger and, and commit? I mean, that tunnel walk is everything. Right. Man. I mean, like I'm coming out the tunnel walk and like just everybody like just screaming my name. Like some people like saying, "Hey, Stanley," you know, mm-hmm. like, "Whoa, you, how you know me, bro?" Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. And even on the recruits, I yeah, that's that. crazy. You know, like recruits get you know so much love and that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so how about how about into your uh, your academics a little bit? You you said you changed majors yes. uh, heading into this year. So what were you in before, and and what did you switch to, and uh, what kind of direction do you want to take with your academics? Okay, I was a criminal justice major, 
But uh, recently, over the summer, I switched to uh, child family youth studies. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to work with kids with families and addictions and stuff like that, you know, because I really like to deal with, you know, stuff like that. I took a class over it last summer that I really enjoyed. So. Okay. And uh, I've heard you're a pretty big personality. Is that is that just maybe a career that you feel that your personality can shine through and uh, yes, impact people? Course. All right, definitely. We saw that personality come out uh, at BTM. It was uh, – it's my, it's my first year here, so – this past year, uh, you were on camera, I think, photobombing, uh, I think it was at the spring game, Tanner yeah. Lee in the yeah. background. And we noticed, we were like, who's that guy? Who's that? Uh, we got to clip that and, and make it into a GIF and all that. So yeah. do, you, do you clown guys like that and photobomb a lot, or was that just at, at a funny time? Uh, just, you know, I'm always having fun sometimes, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, you, I mean, this game is very serious, but, you know, sometimes you got to loosen up and, you know, just have fun and show everybody, you know what I'm saying? When you're out here, just have fun mm -hmm. with the game, you know? At the end of the day, it's just sports, right? Yeah, it's, it's not life or death. Um, speaking of Tanner Lee, he's presumed to be the starting quarterback this year. What's what's it like having him under center as opposed to your receiver? So you were uh, catching passes from Tommy Armstrong the past couple of years. What's it like shifting to a different style quarterback like Tanner Lee? I mean, you know, it's just it's just different in form of just you know just a just a whole lot of new guys coming in. You know, it's just like everything is brand new to me. You know, like mm -hmm. we don't have the same receivers anymore. We don't have the same backfield anymore. Right. You know, it's a whole lot of new things going around. But I mean, it's 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 the same. You know, quarterback throws it to the receiver. The receiver has to catch it. You know, it's mm -hmm. the same to me. So it's really good back there. All right, and um, it's your it's your third year, correct? You're about to be a, a junior. junior? Yeah. Okay, so you've been here as long as Coach Riley has, then. Yes. All right, and uh, so how do you feel like you had a, you had a rough year your freshman year you know it was a setback year for, for the program how do you feel like these two years have gone for the pro program as a whole and uh what do you think's in store in your third season and coach riley's third season well this the, the years i've been here it's, just, it's been a learning experience you know first year we didn't really get what we wanted to get second year we kind of got got to that peak but we didn't get over it you mm -hmm. know i feel like this year we need we we worked hard enough this summer to get to that peak and push right. even through there you know, and just to reach the top. All right. Um, I was talking to your guy, your fellow receiver, DeMornay Personnel. Mm -hmm. Earlier we did a little Facebook Live with him. Uh, tried to get some dirt on dirt on you from him, and he, was, he wasn't really giving me much. He said you guys are uh, – he said that's my guy. Like, So you guys seem pretty tight. What's your relationship like uh, with him, you know, not even on the field, but off the field? Oh, me and DP hang out all the time. You know, we come to the house. You know, we go to Omaha sometimes, get something to eat. But that's how it is with every receiver mm -hmm. in the room. You know, we all family when it comes to wideouts, you know. Coach Dub likes to keep it that way. Like we all family, we have wide out production family functions. Like we'll go bowling, we'll go to Coach Dub house and eat, and that's just really how it is with all the wideouts. Me and DP, we're, we're real close. What's up in Omaha? You guys need to go all the way there for food. Uh, we just go out there, hang out at the mall and stuff. Okay. You know they got the zoo and all that type of uh, stuff right. out there. All right. Um, he also he did give me one bit of dirt though. He said he said you like to sing. Ah. So, <laughs> uh, what, give me a give me an example of. Uh, Something you're singing these days in the shower at practice or whatever. <laughs> I'm a real. Uh, I, I like the weekend. I'm a okay. Big, I'm a big weekend fan. You know, I like. The you can hit those notes though. <laughs> oh, I ain't gonna hit no notes right now. No, I just gotta practice. Now. All right, all right. Yeah, the the vocal cords aren't aren't warmed up I'm right now. Not. <laughs> but the weekend. I mean, that's not. Those aren't easy. Uh, you know, easy vocals to replicate. That's oh, yeah, that's. Yeah. You must be challenging yourself a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is um? Who's your favorite NFL wide receiver? Because. You know, there's plenty to choose from right now. It's such a popular position in the league. Who, who's your, who's some guys you look up to? Damn, that's hard. That's hard. Hmm. One, I have to give you one receiver. Or you can give me a couple. All right. all right, all right, I give you a couple. Uh, 
I have to say Dez, of course, yep. he's physical. Odell, of course, he's, he's his body movement is just crazy. She said catching him in like yesterday at yes, Giants camp crazy. with the that's one ridiculous. hand. I don't know how he snagged it. It's like that's against ridiculous. physics and he does that's that ridiculous. stuff. You know, you got Jarvis Landry, who's really tough on the field, and you have AJ. He's real smooth. Mm-hmm. Who uh, would you say your game is most like? Uh, I have to say I'm type like Jarvis or, De- or Odell, you know. I mean, Jarvis or uh, Des Bryant okay. type, you know. So do you like that uh, the perception of wide receivers, not so much in college, but in the NFL, are kind of seen as, you know, like the divas of the, of the, of the league? You know, it started – I mean, I don't know if it started with these guys, but T.O. and Randy Moss really – and Chad Johnson and, and now Odell kind of, you know, I don't maybe not embrace that, but they definitely reflect kind of that that perception of them. Do you think that's accurate with wide receivers? And do you, do you think that's a uh, a good reflection of that position? I mean, I don't I don't want to say is you know I play receiver, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to say it's a diva type thing. It's just it's just those guys are passionate about the game, and some people take it wrong. You Big know personalities, yeah, right? yeah. You know, I mean, when Dez, you know, I mean, Odell do the stuff he do on the field. I mean, he's, he's just passionate about the game, and people don't understand that. And at the end of the day, it's entertainment too. Yeah, you know, like you want to be entertained. So, I never understood why people, you know, would be personally offended by some antics as long as it's not hurting anybody. You know, exactly. it's, it's entertainment at the end of the exactly. day. Um, all right, Stanley. So, we're gonna wrap up here soon, but before we go. We do segments at each stop with, uh, with all the players that I've talked to. So it's kind of like fun questions that will put you on the spot a little bit and, okay. and get you to just think on your feet. So the, uh, the first segment is called Training Camp Compliments. So, you know, we're in the preseason right now. We haven't, we haven't gotten to any games yet. So we're going to have you say something nice about one of Nebraska's rivals. So first, who would you say is Nebraska's rival in football? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. All right. So say something nice about Wisconsin. It could be their program, their fans, and their players. Uniform, stadium, just something nice about the Badgers. Uh, it was nice for them to uh, take our colors. Take your colors? Okay. <laughs> That's a backhanded compliment. That's what they call that. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one is called Song of the Summer. So we talked. We got into music a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, what would you say is, is the song of Summer 17? You guys, first I got to say that you had the best playlist of, out of any stop we've been so far. Uh, some schools don't do any music. Some do, you know, not the not my favorite genre of music, but yes. the music was, was, was pretty... Oh, yeah, we pick our own music. Pretty hot out there today, yeah. yeah. And it was... Uh, it had me hyped out there. So give me the song of the summer that uh, you'll look back and say, yep, yeah, that's Summer 17. It had to be uh, Bad and Bougie, uh, Kodak. So. Bad and Bougie. Did you see uh, Rutgers had Migos at their... Uh, I think it was they had it at their coach's house. Like the other, they had them at their coach's house the other day. Really? Yeah, and oh, they I, did like a private concert. I, I don't, I didn't know. I don't pay attention. No, but they, yeah, so they, <laughs> they had this back. They had a like a backyard concert, and I was like, dang, how did? Dig first of all, why couldn't we have visited Rutgers on that day? We were like right. three days late, but and I, I was just, I did that's not expect dope. that. That's so, dope. That's dope. Yeah, so they were singing bad and bougie, and uh, they had the coach up there dancing like a old man. So it was <laughs> all right, uh, moving on. Um, this segment's called Bus Tour Bites. So, you know, we're, we're rolling through the uh, Big Ten, and we got to eat at these places. So we need to know where's the best place to eat in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Fuzzies or Wahoos. All right, you mentioned Wahoos. What's a Fuzzies? Fuzzies is, is you got to go downtown. It's Fuzzies. It's like, it's like some more shrimp. Okay. Yeah. So I, you're a seafood guy. We've established that. So uh, hit up definitely have to hit up one of those places. Um, all right, two more. Uh, this one's called called eggshells so you know you heard the expression you're walking around in eggshells around this person we're gonna um attribute it to one of your coaches who's a, who's a coach you're scared to 
to mess up around or one guy you're a little bit intimidated by you don't want to get on his bad side? Coach Dub. Is that Coach – what's his last name? Williams. Williams. Okay, I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, Coach – that's the receivers coach, correct? Yeah, or I would have to say Coach Riley too because he's just a nice guy. You don't want to – Yeah, you know, he's so nice. Yeah, you know, you don't want to disappoint yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, Coach Williams also – they told me that uh, before I interviewed you that you do some impressions of Coach Williams. Do you have any up your sleeve that you can roll out right now? <laughs> like when you do a release, he's just like, oh, my God, what is that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He was like, we'll be in a fume. He just run it back all the time. He just don't get – he don't – he just don't get off one thing. He just has to do it all the time. He's like, oh, my God. So that's why you don't want to – that's why you're an NHL's around. He'll clown you on oh, yeah. the field and in the film room. He's going through the ones, twos, and threes, fours. He clowned everybody. All right, so no one is safe then. Nobody's safe. All right, last one, uh, Stanley. It's it's called Scrap That. So eliminate one drill. Pick one drill that you would uh, – or one part of summer practice or anything, really, that you can get rid of that uh, if you had the choice, you could eliminate. Summer practice? Sure, yeah. Hmm. Uh, one tens. And what's that? Running the whole field. How many times? About 16, 12 times. So is that a punishment type thing, or is that just something that you got to do every day? Just, no, it's just something we do sometimes. I just don't. All right. I'm not big. All right, runner. so put uh, once this comes out, put Coach Riley, Coach Dub, all them on this, and tell them to listen, and uh, maybe they'll take your advice. Oh, yeah, Coach Dub, Coach Riley, can you please get rid of one tens? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I think that uh, – it's not, not going to listen. It's not going to work. <laughs> but, uh, all right, man. Stanley, that's all I got for you. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Get out of here. Get some get some Wahoos, some fuzzies, whatever you got to eat for lunch today. And, no uh, chocolate. And no chocolate. All right. <laughs> Have a good one, man. Take care. All right. Thank you. Thanks again to Stanley for joining me. Uh, I mean, I really like to have fun and discuss a bunch of lighthearted topics on this podcast, but... Um, if the opportunity presents itself, I also think it's important to, to get these guys' backstories if they went through difficult times as well. Uh, so on our last episode, Michigan State's Gerald Holmes talked about his experiences during dealing with the Flint water crisis, and, and Stanley, as you just heard, touched on his family's ordeal fleeing Hurricane Katrina in the, in the aftermath of that disaster. So definitely appreciate those guys when they're willing uh, to discuss some, some challenging periods in their lives with me. I know it's not always easy to do, but um, it's definitely, I think, valuable to, to hear their stories. So moving on, we'll, we'll go to uh, Minneapolis. We made the drive up to the Twin Cities, where I sat down with Gopher defensive lineman Winston Deladibudere, and I, I think I'm pronouncing that right, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and as you'll hear, his personality and, and his story are just as unique as his last name. Uh, he, he's really an energetic guy who uh, fits the mold of his energetic head coach, P.J. Fleck, and Winston and I definitely had an elite discussion. So we'll get to that right now. Very excited to be joined here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, just after Minnesota football practice by Gopher D lineman Winston Dilatibo Dare. Winston, first of all, what's up, man? No, uh, nothing, nothing much, man. Just had another elite day of practice. All right, perfect. And, and did I say that last name right, Dilatibo Dare? Yes, you did, Dilatibo Dare. All right, I, w- I won't. Uh, I won't try and trick the listeners. I had you walk me through it a couple times there, so I uh, had a little practice. But Winston, what? First of all, when you came up to me and said your name, you know, I was like, what? Was that the same reaction that uh, you get when you introduce yourself to, to strangers? Uh, definitely. And that first day of school thing is is always, you know, the same routine. So they'll try to pronounce my name, and I'll be like. It's Winston. Winston, I'm right here. <laughs> Just raise my hand. So that's how it goes every single time. I'm sure time. your whole life you've had, you know, teachers, substitute teachers, coaches, like 
trip over their tongues trying to say that. So. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So where does that name come from, man? Where... Uh, my father's Jamaican, okay. actually. Came here when he was around 9 or 10 years old, moved to Patterson, New Jersey, uh, played football at Bowie State, and that's where we met my mother. Okay, and... Um... Where did you did you grow up in New Jersey or, or where did you grow up in? in grew up grew up in Maryland. Was born in Baltimore, Maryland. Went to school in Howard County. Howard County. So mm-hmm. uh, how does a kid from Baltimore, you know, out east, end up all the way over here in Minnesota? Uh, basically, what happened was I was a little light coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't get recruited by a lot of uh, big major Division One uh, schools, uh, but Minnesota saw my highlight tape. They took a chance on me. Call, uh, Coach Kill called me and he said, "Do you want to be a Gopher?" And of course, I said yes. Yeah. So. How'd that tape get in their hands? I, I think I, I read before I came over here that you just sent your tape to a lot of different schools. Is that right? A lot I, just, of I just sent my tape to a whole bunch of different coaches, and my mother told me, pray. Pray, and God will point you in the direction he wants you to go. And God definitely pointed me in the right direction. How many schools did you say you sent your tape to? Uh, about 50, 60 schools. How many offers did you get out of that? Power five offers. Uh, I just got Minnesota, Buffalo, and Idaho. So... Once you had that Big Ten offer, was that pretty much settled then that you knew that you would uh, most likely come here? Definitely, definitely. I was excited. It was like a dream come true, and I just had to go out there and prove a lot of people wrong. So the weather's probably not too different up here, but I know you know Minnesota's known as probably the coldest Big Ten school. Does that, uh, <laughs> does that bother you at all? Uh, at first, I thought it wouldn't be that bad. We get a lot of snow back at home, but... Then I got up here, the negatives started hitting, and I felt my eyelids start freezing shut. <laughs> For me, it's like the, when you feel your nostrils, you're like freezing. That's, that's how you know it's like below zero. So right. I, always, I always feel that, and I'm like, yep, that's, uh, that's cold. That's Arctic-level weather. <laughs> so, uh, so, Winston, you, you came from Baltimore. You also came over at a younger age than many players do. Yes. What's the story behind that? Why did you uh, come over? Were you 16 when you started? I was 16 playing my senior season. I came up just turning 17. Okay, so how, uh, how did that work? Why were you so much younger than your peers? So I started school a year early. Basically, my mother tested me into school early. I was talking at an early age, and I guess I was running my mouth too much. She wanted to get me out of the <laughs> house. So she went ahead, put me in school, and from that moment on, I just tried to climb and climb and climb one step at a time. So really, you've been destined to, to be on a podcast your whole life. You know, you're talking too much <laughs> early on. That's perfect for this. Yes, sir. All right, so when you were uh, 16 years old as, as a senior in high school, you mentioned you were undersized. Was that pretty much just because you were behind every, behind the curve in you know, lifting? You, you had two years of getting bigger, getting stronger, that, uh, two years behind everybody pretty much. Was that, was that the main reason, or were you just smaller um, as a kid in general? Um, I wasn't smaller as a kid. I think it was the curve probably. Okay. So I was behind a lot of people, but I was pushing myself to keep up, and I left high school at about 209, 210 pounds. You're like the opposite. Like a lot of kids, I feel like go to prep school or something like that to get that extra year mm-hmm. or go JUCO, you know, to, to, to add on that size. But you came over early. When you arrived on campus, you were 17 years old? Then? Yes. All right. So was that a big difference from, from a lot of your peers or did you not really notice and did they not really know they, the difference either? They definitely noticed. Okay. Um, they noticed uh, because they kept asking me, they were like, why do you why are you so light? Why are you so light? You're only 209 pounds. You play DN. And I was like, I just bring the pain, baby. That, that's all it is. So um, some people would notice. And then I had like a little half beard when I got on campus. So some people would ask me. But other than that, you know, it kind of fell in between. Right. And no one can see right now, obviously. But you got a full beard going now. You're much heavier than 209 pounds. Yes. What are you at now? And how did you... Uh how did you get up to that weight? 248. So I got up to 248 pounds uh, fairly recently. Yeah. Uh, Coach Nickel and the strength staff, they've been pushing us every single day, you know, trying to get us to eat a certain type of way, lift, run a certain type of way. And I thought my conditioning and my speed might lag from gaining that weight, but it didn't. 
and you were uh, you took a red shirt year, right? Yes. So that was did you know coming in that was that was probably gonna be the route because I mean that's if you're 209 pounds trying to be a DN, you know you're gonna have to bulk up. Definitely, right. definitely. Right. So um, how much weight would you say you put on your red shirt year? My red shirt year about. 15, 20 pounds, okay. about 15, 20 pounds, and then I stacked on the extra 18 around this time. All right, so we'll get into a little more football talk in just a second, but um, I did want to get into your academic background as well because you have a pretty unique major, at least as far as uh, athletes and football players go in my experience. Uh, your major is uh, sociology of law, criminology, and deviance, yes. is that right? Yes, Tell me a little bit about that. What is uh, What goes into to that academic undertaking? So at first I wanted to be an FBI agent, right. you know, different things like that, maybe work a little bit in Homeland Security. But uh, as I started getting into my major a little bit more, I noticed maybe I wanted to go into law school, be a defense lawyer, possible things like that. So that's what I'm striving for right now. So where does that interest come from? When did, when did you, uh, you know, start expressing interest in, in going to that sort of career field? Um, I think it started when I took my first sociology class, and I really loved it. I ended up getting an 89%, which I was really upset mm-hmm. about because I loved the class. I was passionate about it. But um, I saw the criminology side of it, but it was only for a section. So I said, I really might want to go into this. And my teacher said, you should think about becoming a lawyer. So I said, maybe that's something I might want to do. So 89%, you said you were upset about that? I was upset about that. All right, that. so are you someone that, you know, if you don't get that A, that's, that bothers you? It bothers me a lot. <laughs> yes, sir. They didn't round up for you? They did, they oh, did not. Man. They did not. That's brutal. You gotta, that's when you got to go into those uh, study hours and say to the professor, you know, I've been at the uh, – that, that's what they say at the beginning of the semester, I feel like. They're like, study hours, we might bump you up to right. an A. All right, so what have you done, I guess, uh, you're, you're in your third year. You have two years of school under your belt. What are some interesting classes in that field that you've, uh, that you've taken? And has it given you any – sort of real world experience or looking to what the future might hold? Um, so sociology and criminology, that was my uh, first kind of real class getting into my major. I really loved it. We talked about different things about the criminal justice system, um, different things about the prison system, all the way back uh, to penal farms and different things like that. So um, where prisons first officially started and stuff like that in America. And I, I really loved it. So I feel like taking that and moving on to my next classes, I'll be able to kind of build that foundation to go ahead and take up what I want to do later. So do you have any um, anything in mind, I guess, for as possible specific jobs going forward? Are you still kind of just open to wherever this takes you? I'm still kind of open to wherever it takes me. I just got to strive to get all the best grades I can get so yeah. I can open as many doors as possible. You got plenty of time left to, to decide. Um, all right, we'll get back into, we'll get back into football. Um, sitting here in, in Minneapolis, there's a lot of construction going on and a lot of progress being made. Uh, your athletic department gave us a tour of some brand new facilities that are going to be open soon here. Yesterday, uh, we saw the Athletes Village. It's kind of a sprawling complex set up for those who haven't seen it or been around here yet. And it's going to have, you know, brand new locker rooms, weight rooms, pretty much everything an athlete could want here. So honestly, it was, it's, it's got to be exciting for you to know all that's coming right around the corner. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, so when we first started seeing this thing being built, we were like, they're moving so fast. What mm-hmm. if they have this in it? What if they have that in it? So we were just all buzzing and excited. I mean, Coach Fleck, you know, he hints at a lot of different things that, you mm-hmm. know, will be in there. We know we'll have our locker room, field house, different things like that. But I feel like it'll be plenty of surprises in there as well for us. Yeah, uh, they told us about some of the – I don't know if it's, if it's a secret or not, but they told us about some of the features you guys will have. And I think you guys are, uh, you know, going to be living pretty good around here. Yes, so. definitely. So – uh, we can't talk transition, though, at Minnesota without talking about some of the coaching transitions you guys have gone through. You're a redshirt 
uh, sophomore, so you've been here for three different coaches, Three different correct? coaches. So, like you mentioned, you committed to Coach Kill. Coach Clays took over last year, and now Coach Fleck is here. Yes. Can you just talk a little bit or get into a little bit about um, each transition and how that affected you as an individual player? Um, of course, of, of course uh, with Coach Kill, I was, I was very, you know, I was very hurt when Coach Kill, you know, had to step mm-hmm. down, but I definitely understood what was going on. That was a guy who I feel like took his first shot on me, took his first chance on me, and I'll, I'll forever be in his debt for that. I really, really appreciate that. Um, moving on with Coach Clays, um, he was already on the staff. We were already very familiar with Coach Clays, sure. his coaching style. Um, he just had to be a little bit more vocal as a head coach, but it wasn't something, you know, that was too different for us. Coach Fleck, Total, total different right. change, you know. So it's a, it's a lot of juice and a lot of energy that he brings into every single day. In the first few days, they were kind of weird. Like it was kind of awkward. We were like, who is this guy in front of us trying to pull this, pull that? Now it's natural. Right. We walked in today. We saw people, you know, running like around. Like it looks from far like chickens with their head cut off, right. but you see it's like controlled chaos. You know, people are there's always a, a motive behind everything that he's doing. He's, he's yelling on the mic. It's, it's blasting out in the loudspeakers. Mm-hmm. He's throwing water on the kickers. Right. So how long did it take you guys to, to get adjusted to a practice style like that? It took, it took a good amount of time, actually. Uh, spring ball was extremely, extremely hectic. Mm-hmm. That looked like controlled chaos out there. The first few practices of spring ball were actual chaos. Right. At one point, Coach Fleck was like, Winston, just run, just run. I literally ran in circles with my hands up, <laughs> like, where do, go? Go? Yeah, where do I go? Where do I go? So, um, for all that transition moving from spring ball until now, I think it's just a beautiful type thing because we see guys running to this point to that point without getting tired, and we see the growth that we've made from the spring when we watch old film to fall now, and I just think it's a great thing. So does Coach Fleck tell you at all, like, you know, away from practice, talk to you guys about why – he does what he does, why his practice is structured that way? Definitely. And it's about our how at the end of the day, yeah. the passion that you have for the game. So something that we use as our little acronym for fall camp is uh, is highway to success. Okay. So highway means heart, one, want. And backwards, it's want, one, heart. It's about us coming from a team to a group. So in that controlled chaos, we all have to come together to pick each other up and to help each other move on when we know we're getting tired, we know we're getting down in the dumps about our last play. It's about our response, our next play mentality. Sure. And if you could, just uh, compare the energy level um, with the previous regimes here uh, under Coach Kill and Coach Clays to now. Like, had you ever even approached a practice with that type of energy? I don't think we've ever approached a practice with, with that type of energy, except if they told us maybe it was a special practice or something like that. This is the first time I've been uh, under a coaching staff where it's constant juice, mm-hmm. pumping, pumping, pumping. And I feel like that's something that's going to help us take this and transition it over into the playing field so we can kind of overwhelm an opponent. Who picks the music out there? It's quite a variety <laughs> of music. From what I hear, different coaches pick it on different days, but it's kind of like a mix. In so it's there. coaches, uh-huh. okay? Cause, yeah, there's a lot of different uh, different genres being played out oh, there. Oh yeah, they know about a lot of but different. But it is music. all of it. The constant theme was that it was uh, it was all hype. So you right. know, it, it kind of went with the theme of uh, Coach Fleck interjecting every now and then to, to yell at you guys to get, right, to get right. moving. Um, so one last thing I want you to compare to from now to uh, your previous two seasons is the excitement level surrounding Minnesota with with the fans. It was an open practice today. We saw there were a few hundred fans out there watching, and everyone right. seemed to be engaged and excited about it. So compare uh, the just excitement around town. I know students aren't, aren't quite back yet, but just the excitement you feel from the fans as opposed to uh, – 
before. Um, so the whole culture change has been something that's been huge. You could be walking down the street with some football apparel on, and somebody will scream from across the street, roll the boat, roll the boat. <laughs> right. So you're like, yeah, baby, roll that boat. You know what I'm saying? So being out here with the fans and seeing how excited they are and how, and how they love what we're doing, that's, that's really what, what drives us at the end of the day. We're doing this for the state of Minnesota. Sure. And uh, Coach Fleck is such a such a public figure. You know, everyone pretty know pretty much knows what he's about at this point. Um, even before he came here, we all knew from Western Michigan his style. But when you got here, what is one thing that maybe surprised you about his personality, or one thing you didn't know about him that that uh, that you now know? Um, he he likes developing people from a holistic point of view. Like I didn't I didn't know he would be that much into developing a man to be a man I thought you know it was just a juice for football type thing and I kind of appreciate that and I don't I don't tell him this much so hopefully he hears it on this <laughs> gotta get but, him to listen yeah uh, I appreciate you know when he pinpoints trying to focus on each part of our lives and trying to get us to be more well-rounded um away from the football type thing and I feel like that's something more coaches should adopt so it's not just like surface level football stuff it's actually you know your life definitely uh what's your what's your personal relationship like just uh being a guy like most of the guys out there who wasn't recruited by him um what's your personal relationship with coach Fleck like um coach Fleck he's my dude I can't even explain it in any other type of way that that guy's my guy he tells me to do something and and I go do it because I know he got my back just like I got his back so if he tells me to go ahead and run through that wall then I'm gonna go ahead and run through that wall because I know he'll turn around and do the same thing for me uh, he's a he's a pretty athletic guy. He, um, you know, played in the NFL. Uh, who would win in a? Uh, do you think he could one beat many of the players in a race and two put up more weight than uh, than <laughs> any any of your guys in the weight room? I don't know. I know he's a competitor, so that's one thing. So he's not gonna come away from that thing, you know, losing to a <laughs> lot of guys. He might be beat some old linemen, some tight ends. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a couple of D tackles. But I think if Fleck lined up against any of us in a race. We would not let that man win. <laughs> we would strive our best to not let that man win. All right, I'm sure the fans would love to see something like that. So maybe that's something you gotta uh, challenge Coach Fleck to. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so wrapping up here, Winston. Uh, just real quick, we got some segments that we do with each player at each stop. Uh, the first one is called Training Camp Compliments. Um, so we gotta have you give a compliment to one of Minnesota's rivals on the football field. So probably Wisconsin. Um, you know, we're, we're having it. We're having everyone be nice right now since the season hasn't started yet. Okay. We'll, the, we can uh, get heated later in the season. So okay, okay. give Wisconsin a compliment real quick. Uh, I like y'all's jerseys. All right. <laughs> jerseys. That's a common one we ask the players. The jerseys in, like, the stadium are, are two right. common ones. All right, next one, uh, Song of the Summer. Uh, when you look back at 2017, summer 2017, what's one song that will stick out to you? I think the song everybody was playing was Bad and Bougie. That's the song everybody. Did you was see? Uh, did you see Migos out at uh, Rutgers the other day? Yeah, I yeah. did. I did. They, I was a little jealous of that. Not gonna, we <laughs> we missed about like three days on the right, tour. Right, so. right, right. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one is called Bus Tour Bites. Uh, give me some of the best places to eat out here in like the Dinky Town area. Ooh, uh, definitely Tony's Diner. All right. I think that's a spot where you know everybody goes because you can get an assortment of a whole bunch of different things, mm-hmm. desserts, all that stuff. Uh, but when in doubt, just go with Cadoba. Kidobi can't go wrong there. Cannot um, go wrong with Kidobi. My guy Tom Dinar, he's a big diner guy, so right. I'll have to tell him about that. All right, I just got two more here. Um, it's called uh, eggshells, so you know, you're walking around on eggshells around someone, you don't want to make them mad. Who's one coach you're a little intimidated by, you don't want to get on their backside? I think Coach Smith. 
Coach Smith, you don't want to get on his bad side. All right, what man. position does he coach? Uh, he's a defensive coordinator. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you don't want to get on Coach Smith's bad side. All right, well, he uh, punished you, make you run at all, or what's – What's the reasoning behind that? He just he just gets on you, man. <laughs> he gets on you, lets you know what you did wrong, and he's like, if you don't fix it, man, then that's on you. That's on you right there. <laughs> All right, last one. It's called Scrap That. So uh, give me one drill, one part of practice, uh, one part of anything you do, really, that you know what? You could, you could do without if uh, you can't do it. It's a pursuit drill. It's a pursuit drill, and we <laughs> the defense does not like how. Which one is that? Take me through. Uh, so how suit basically, uh, you storm the field. So we storm the field, and everything we do as a defense, mm-hmm. uh, come on there, and you have to step uh, in the direction that the play is going towards, break foot, drive foot, run towards the ball carrier. So you're running down the field. Then you have to break foot, drive foot, turn around from where you just ran, come back all the way across the field, bend your legs, chop, 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 and clap. And if it's not extremely elite every single time, you have to do it again. again. One day we did it about six or seven times. So no I fun. think yeah, I think the defense can go without the house suit. All right. Winston, that's all I got for you, man. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for bringing the energy. And uh, I'll make this try I'll try make this sound um, as natural as possible. Have an elite season. All right, all man. All right, there we go. Thank <laughs> you right. very much. Thanks again to Winston for joining me. And next we'll move on to Madison, Wisconsin, for our final discussion of this episode. There I talked to Badger linebacker Chris Orr on what actually was a uh, significant day for his family. Just before, a few hours before we sat down, his older brother Zach Orr, um, who's recently on the Baltimore Ravens, actually officially retired from the NFL due to a spine condition. So as you can imagine, we discussed the impact that that very raw development had on Chris and, and um and what he was thinking at the time and just finding out hours before that his, his brother was officially retired. So uh, that was one of the topics we got into, among many others. And here it is. It's Take 10's discussion with Badger linebacker Chris Orr. I'm very excited to be joined here in Madison, Wisconsin, sitting in the bleachers at Camp Randall Stadium, joined by uh, Badger linebacker Chris Orr. What's up, Chris? What's up? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me today. Um, actually, tonight it's Friday night, so yeah. we'll keep this brief, and you can uh, you can get on with your Friday night here. But uh, we just wrapped up a Wisconsin football scrimmage as part of the the BTM bus tour. They were uh, kind enough to put on a show for us. So, so Chris, first of all, tell me, uh, how's the knee feel, man? You you had a, a pretty bad knee injury last year, and you're back out there. How's it feel? Yeah, it feels feels amazing. Uh, feel a little more explosive and faster than I did last year, even before the injury, but. Knee feels fine, feeling good. So how long would you say you've been close to or at 100%? Um, I've been pretty much 100 since, I'd say, like, late late May. Early, uh, I'd say, like, mid-May. Mid-May, I've been pretty much 100. All right, so let's, uh, I know it might be tough, but let's talk about the injury a little bit. I know you've probably talked at length about it. Um, it was last year, first game of the season against LSU at, at Lambeau Field. And it was it was the first snap of this defensive snap of the season for you guys. So, you know, what's that like to go down pretty much right away before your season even really gets started? And especially when, like, you know, people injure themselves early in the season all the time. Or the, usually, if they're out for the season, they miss the whole year. It's because it happened in camp. So they yeah. they, they don't have that experience of actually getting out there, feeling the rush. It's just over mm-hmm. before it starts. But for you, you know, you got out there. So what was that like? You know, having your season end on the first snap. Um, man, it was it was it was heartbreaking. You know, when it happened, uh, I was in a lot of pain, and then almost kind of by the time I got to the sideline, uh, 
I started, that adrenaline started kicking in. I started telling myself, you know, just fight through it. Like, you'll be okay. And then um, went back into the locker room, got a few x-rays. Uh, knee wasn't fractured at all, anything like that. Then um, in the locker room, I was even, I was like cutting, jumping, running a little bit. Really? You know, of course, I still had a limp, but I was able to run a little bit. And the last test I couldn't pass was, you know, um, applying some pressure to that knee, you know, like holding a block or something like that. And my knee was just collapsed on me. So, you know, it hurt uh, not being able to finish that game. But then I just told myself, you know, you're still a leader. You got to help out the guys. So got back out there to the sidelines, tried to help as much as I could. And that next day I got my MRI. And when they told me that, it just crushed me to my soul because I don't even know if I would have been – I still would have been hurt. But I think if I was able to finish that game or if it happened in the fourth quarter, I would have been a little bit – better just mentally or emotionally but yeah it, it was it was a tough year yeah so you mentioned you consider yourself a leader you're uh you got a redshirt year last year a medical hardship so you're a redshirt sophomore now so you're not you would be an upperclassman technically um but now you really have to adopt a, a leadership role i'm sure because just just recently uh your teammate your fellow linebacker uh jack Sitchie went down with it with a similar injury so first of all how have you been able to relate to him, you know, having that injury? And then also, do you think that that leadership role has, uh, you know, increased on your shoulders now? Yeah, um, I've just been trying to be there for Jack. You know, I know a lot of people have just been blowing up his phone, period, because, you know, same thing happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trying to just support him mentally and emotionally and answer any questions he might have about his rehab or, you know, swelling or whatever the case may be. Right just try to be there for him period and then kind of just help guide him as much as I can throughout the rehab process and talk a little bit about his mindset about how he's gonna have to switch from getting ready for a season and all that to attacking rehab every day so I've just been trying to be there for him as much as I can and I definitely think that I've had to embrace more of a leadership role especially just on the field just trying to be that vocal guy to uh, pick us up whenever we may get uh, shocked or give up a big play or anything like that so I definitely think I have to step up a little more as a leader. All right, we'll get into a little bit more about your injury and uh, your, your rehab and come back from that in a little bit. But I want to get into your background and, and your family because you come from a football family. Uh, you're from Texas, and you've got a dad who played in the NFL, brothers who played football, uh, play football, one plays in college, and, and one just recently retired from the NFL. So how did your dad and your upbringing in Texas, you know, football crazy state, uh, you know, shape you as a football player, and then how'd you end up here at Wisconsin, so far away from home? Um, you know, just growing up, you know, my dad just always—I mean, he never really discouraged us from playing football, but he never really truly wanted us to uh, play just because of the injuries that he had. Now, him being older, waking up, you know, in the winter with back pains and stuff like that. But uh, man, he just told us if you're gonna play the game, play it the right way, and you give maximum effort every play. Get, play your hardest and you play clean so I mean um, he encouraged us in that way and then just being in Texas man it's, it's true when they say everything is bigger in Texas and, <laughs> right. and we take football serious uh, I can't even tell you how many times I played in Cowboy Stadium or big uh, college stadiums down there in Texas so I think it shaped me just as a, a tough football player a physical football player and then giving all giving my all every single play I mean that's pretty much how you're brought up so so what drew you what drew you to wisconsin um honestly man i i liked wisconsin just because i was a smaller backer Mm -hmm. 
and they just had Borland, who recently came through before I got here. And so um, I really didn't expect Wisconsin to come down and ever talk to me. And then when it happened, I was, man, just shocked and, and amazed. You know, I didn't, I, went, I didn't have too many offers. I had a few. You know, nobody in Texas really wanted me that much except for University of North Texas. But other than that, you know, I came up here on a visit, fell in love with the place, already knew about the football program, and the rest is history. And that's what Wisconsin does, it seems like, every year. They, they find, you know, maybe undervalued guys mm -hmm. and, and turn them into very solid players. So no surprise there. But I want to get into something you mentioned about your dad, uh, your dad, Terry, who, as, as we said before, played in the NFL, played for the Redskins. Um, I think a lot of people, and, and this is true of me, have this stereotype of football dads, you know, as, as tough disciplinarian guys who, mm -hmm. you know, just you know, beat football into their kids and, yeah. and, and you know, train them nonstop and are, are just tough disciplinarians. But I mean, that, that's, that's definitely unfair, especially when um, right. assuming that about your dad, because like mm -hmm. you mentioned, he didn't even really want you to play. Right. So once you guys decided you were going to play football, you know, like did he, did he train you guys or, or, or how – how did he kind of, you know, buck that, like I said, stereotype of, mm -hmm. of uh, tough, hard-nosed football dad? Right. Um, nah, he, he, he didn't train us at all. I still, to this day, haven't even thrown a football with my dad really? or anything like that. The most we talk about football would be, like, on the way home from uh, high school games, we'll talk about the game a little bit. Or if we brought up the game, he doesn't really watch uh, NFL football. Unless, mm -hmm. You know, of course, my brother was playing. But, mm -hmm. yeah, man, he, he never really beat football into us. It was like... Uh, come on, let's go train, let's go work out. It was kind of all on me and my brothers, you know. We were motivated just by seeing pictures of him and old videos of him whenever, like, NFL Network or America's Game would come on, sure. we'd see him. And then he'd just tell us to, to work hard. You know, it was it was on us, though. He said, you're going to get as much as you put into it, and you're going to get as much out of it what you put into it. So That's that's really interesting. Just, exactly. like, you know, to have a dad that, you know, like if you're, you're playing the NFL, you guys are all mm – -hmm great football players and, and you, you know you just said you never really threw a ball around that's, that's yeah. crazy to me um <clears throat> but I, I wanted to get into your brother your brother Zach who like you mentioned played in the NFL played for the Ravens um and your other brother plays at TCU right now mm -hmm. correct okay but Zach played for the Ravens and um actually it's crazy timing just today he officially announced that he would be retiring for good from the NFL yeah. um he, he wrote a Players Tribune article shutting things down for good and, and he had uh some back and spinal issues um mm -hmm. which kept him out um or which which hampered him after this season and forced him into early retirement so can you elaborate on that a little bit and, and just being so with news being so raw and fresh mm -hmm. uh elaborate on your emotions and how you think he's probably feeling right now um man i i can't i can barely even imagine what he's feeling you know i, I hurt for him um you know i'm not really near him that much but you know i haven't shoot seen him or even been able to just chill with him for a while he hasn't seen me play since second round playoff game of my senior year he hasn't seen me play live so you know he was he's a little bit excited about being able to come see me play now and stuff like that but I mean just ever since we was growing up me and all my brothers always had a dream of all of us playing in the NFL together someday and um it's just unfortunate that that's not gonna be able to happen anymore but uh we we knew kind of for a couple of weeks now that he was done done for sure. He was kind of just trying to figure out a way he could tell everybody and let everybody know and clear the air of a few things. But I'm glad he got that opportunity and able to clear the air and you know clear his name a little bit. A lot of people was trying to badmouth him, but you know I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, now. just a, just a little more background for people out there who might not know. Uh, 
Zach had a had a spinal condition that um, would, you know, he was once they discovered it, the doctors said that it could threaten his life even mm-hmm. if he if he played football again. So he retired, got some second opinions, uh, flirted with unretirement, but uh, ultimately had to shut it down. And, and the article where he um, that he wrote himself just came out today. And you said you read that player's tribute yeah. article just before practice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be kind of a surreal thing to, to read about that and then come out here and play football. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was a little crazy. You know, it kind of just – I took a little moment, you know, putting on my jersey today. I switched to his number, so it kind of made me think about him a little more before I came out here and tried to honor him as much as I could in my place. So, yeah, it was, it, it was crazy. You know, definitely heartbreaking to just read about it even some more. You know, I'm just glad that I didn't – I have to see my brother carted off the field. So sure, yeah, and definitely out, uh, check that Players Tribune out article out um, for all those who haven't read it. It's a pretty powerful uh, piece of writing. And you yourself have written for the Players Tribune. You yep. you uh, wrote before the Big Ten championship game yep. about your injury and, and how you dealt with that. And I've always been curious about um, how that process works. Like, how are you approached to write for them, or, or what? How did that take me through that process of writing for them and how much they edited it and how you thought it turned out? All right. Um, I was pretty much approached by them, and usually how it goes is, well, at least how it went for me, was uh, I was on the phone with a guy, and he basically just said, tell me your story. What what do you want to tell your teammates before the Big Ten Championship game? And he basically took exactly what I said and typed it down. Okay. And, you know, of course, edited a little bit to make it more like a letter, but, yeah, it was it was, it was was surreal. I, I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah, so did you get any response and feedback from – you know, fans, family. Once that came out, because that's a you know, that's a nationwide publication. Yeah. That's a worldwide publication. What did what was the feedback like? Uh, it was crazy. You know, a lot of people were saying that. You know, a lot of people was just complimenting my character. A lot of Wisconsin fans, and even some of the staff, was just like they just glad to have me here. Mm-hmm. They like my pride in 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 Wisconsin and my love for my teammates. So I mean, I didn't necessarily do it too much for my shine or anything like that or to try to get more publicity for myself but I just felt like you know there was a message that needed to be said to my teammates and I wasn't never really able to talk to them too much because my injury occurred right in the beginning of the season so it's not like we had too much time where I could get up in a team meeting and talk to them so it was, it was good to let them know. Yeah I feel like Wisconsin's got to lead the, the country and or at least college-wise of uh, players stripping pieces because you did one Nigel Hayes did one or two, yeah. Bronson Koenig. So I feel like I've every every other month or so I'm reading the, a player stripping piece, and they're all really well done and interesting stories. Um, you talked to that piece a little bit. I, I encourage everyone out there to read this as well because um, it's it's also a very uh, well done well done piece. But you talked a little bit about how you kind of turned yourself into an assistant coach last year on the sidelines, like with the headset and the whistle and everything, um, since you couldn't be out there playing. So my question is like, when you got the headset on and, and there's a game going on. Like, what are you actually hearing? What are you able to hear? And, and how involved are you, uh, you know, on the sidelines as a, quote, assistant coach? Um, man, you're pretty much involved uh, 100%, maybe even a little more than if you was out there on the field. You know, the only difference is, you know, you're actually making the plays mm-hmm. and you're actually playing. But I was able to scream out, text the guys, or watch for this, watch for that, you know, things that our defense coordinator at the time, Coach Wilcox, couldn't necessarily get out to the field. You know, I was – I was his eyes, ears, mouth, all that. So you were mic'd up to the players, some players yeah, on the exactly. field. Oh, that's really cool. Exactly. So it was, it was, it was, it was a fun experience. I was able to hear, uh, you know, checks that needed to be made or whatever the case may have been. But yeah, I was 
it was it was crazy. You know, it definitely made me think about coaching a little. bit. I was bit. gonna ask, yeah, is that something that you might be interested in doing? Uh, once the game passes you by, maybe coach a little bit. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I like to coach a little bit. Me and my brothers kind of talk. We have one one of my oldest brothers actually coaching at my high school right now, okay. Desoto. So we all talked about one day coaching against each other, then eventually coming together. So it'll be fun. All right, so uh, a little bit of a little bit of Big Ten football talk before we get into some segments here. Uh, you guys got some got some unfinished business in the Big Ten because you guys are pretty heavy favorites to win the West, but you also had a pretty big lead on Penn State last year in, in the uh, in the championship game. And um, it's funny, I, I talk to Penn State guys, and, and you see this with them if you pay attention. They always are big on just focusing on the game that's on the schedule in front of them, like the one yeah. game. So, like, you mm-hmm. know, I was talking to Marcus Allen for the podcast, and I'm like, man, like, all right, just be real with me, you know. I know you guys have to look ahead to some of those bigger games on the schedule, and he's like, nope, just yeah. focus on Akron, Akron, Akron. Exactly. Just like James Franklin, they take off after their coach and he hammers that into them. Um, so they say that's, like, all they're focused on. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Like, is there, you know, do you do you look ahead? Like, are you – you got to have some, like, revenge on your mind or, or some unfinished business on your mind, I feel like. Well, not at all. You know, last year is last year. Mm-hmm. Whether it be the success we had or, you know, the tough losses that we took, you know, can't can't really think about that you know it's, it's in the past for a reason now we got to focus on utah state and that's what we have coming up that's the biggest game of the season because it's the next game you know um and we try to ignore all the outside noise you know to talk about you know revenge or last year and being big 10 west favorites and all that you know because at the end of the day none of that matters right. you know, the only thing that matters is that game at that time <laughs> You never know what's See, maybe going Maybe I was happen. unfair to Marcus because you're giving me the football answer, football mm-hmm. player answer here too. That's the, uh, you know, that's I, I I just I never play. You know, obviously I never play football. Look uh-huh. at me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you, know, you can tell looking right at me. But that's just like I never, um, as a fan, I guess, as as someone, I always look ahead to the big games, yeah, and it's exactly. just a different mindset. I feel like that yeah. you guys have um, just looking at the first game in the schedule and, and being able to block out everything else. So that's always just been interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But um. Chris, we're going to wrap up with some segments here. Uh, I ask these questions to all the players that I've talked to so far on the bus tour. Um, you guys are stop number 11, I believe, so we've talked to a good amount of players so far. Basically just lighthearted questions that um, put you on the spot a little bit and, and let you have some fun uh, at right. the end of the podcast. So the first one's called uh, called Training Camp Compliments. So since we're in the beginning of uh, the season here, you know, it's tempers aren't flaring yet. Mm-hmm. We're going to have you give a compliment to – Wisconsin's rival on the football field. So first, tell me who you think Wisconsin's biggest rival is in football. <laughs> uh, you got the axe. I mean, that's 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 the big game that a lot of people look forward to. We got a few of them. Yep. Uh, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska. All right, let's give a compliment to uh, let's do Iowa. Okay. So you can take your time, but um, say something nice about them. It doesn't have to be. The most glowing thing in the world, but you know, a little little compliment for the uh, the Hawkeyes. Uh, they look the most like the Steelers. That's a, that's <laughs> All right, a good that'll job. count as a compliment. They yeah, do a they, they do. Look, they do look a lot like the Steelers. They do a good job doing that. I guess. I wonder who uh, who was first, the Steelers or Iowa? I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming Iowa because they've been around like 100 years. But uh, next segment, moving on, called Song of the Summer. Um, you guys had pretty good playlist going out here tonight. Um, you know, there's some good songs, but those were all kind of. Throwbacks. I need, I need yeah. a song for 2017, summer 2017, that you'll look back on and remember and associate with this summer. Oh, man. <sighs> you can pick more than one, too, if you can't just pick one. Oh, I'm going to have to go with... 
I don't think I could just choose one song. I'm gonna have to go with these two little album slash mixtapes. All right. The first is Young Dolph. Okay. Uh, Bulletproof. I like that whole album. All right. And then the other is actually my pastor's son, Charles K. He dropped the album called The Red Tape. Your pastor's son. Mm-hmm. Is that back in Texas? Yep. All mm-hmm. right. All right. So you have that. You uh, Red Tape. So. Putting everyone on up here. With oh, the, yeah. All right. oh, yeah. Red Tape. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, next one is called Bus Tour Bites. So we've been going all around the Big Ten. Unfortunately, we are not staying over in Madison tonight, which <laughs> I'm very disappointed at. <laughs> Love Madison. But um, your recommendation will carry over the next time we're in town. Give me somewhere good to eat. In Madison, if you're if you're stopping through, it's something you can't miss. Uh, Ian's Pizza, most definitely Ian's Pizza. I don't think everybody in Madison has eaten some Ian's Pizza before. All right, I will t- I will uh, make a mental note and I'll make sure to hit it up next time we're here. Uh, second to last segment is called eggshells. So you've heard the saying: if you're walking around eggshells around someone, you don't want to make them mad. You know, so give me a coach of yours that you don't want to make mad that you might be a little intimidated by, and you know if uh, you get on his bad side, it's going to be trouble. Uh, Coach Bostad, Bob Bostad, my inside linebacker coach. Don't want to make him mad. Don't what is, what him happens mad, if he gets mad? He's... I don't know. We haven't made him that mad, <laughs> yeah. but just don't want to make He's him one of those mad. people that you know, like, yeah. that you haven't made mad, like, actually mad, but you know yeah. if he goes off, then, yeah. uh, then, it's, then it's a problem. Um, all right, Chris, last one. It's called Scrap That. So um, one drill, one part of summer practice that, uh, you know, you could do without. You could eliminate. If you could eliminate it, you would. Uh, Most guys right away are like, oh, I know one drill that, it, 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 you know, I'm getting out of here if I can. Uh, I guess I'd say, like, individual, mm-hmm. just because, you know, it's, it's technique and it's a little repetitive, but, you know, when you got to play football, you just got to play football, so right. I guess I'd say individual. All right, fair enough. Thanks, Chris, for joining me, and thanks again to Ben, Stanley, and Winston, and to everyone who helped set up those interviews and make them possible. Uh, all those guys were great to talk to, and, and I'm sure those discussions were, were fun for everyone out there to listen to as well, because um, these, these guys really are unique and have, have unique backstories, and it's always fun to unmask these football players and get to know them. So we'll have one more Bus Tour episode released next week, wrapping up the Western leg and wrapping up the entire tour. Uh, we talked to guys from Purdue, Illinois, and Northwestern. But until then, thanks to everyone for listening to this episode and for continuing to follow along. Please continue to subscribe and tune in as well. I really do appreciate it. And thanks as always to Wes White for producing the show. We'll talk to you next time on the final BTN bus tour episode in 2017. And until then, take care.